Hey everyone, this is Chris Graft, Editor-in-Chief of Gamma Sutra, uh, doing something a little bit different uh, in this special episode of GDC Podcast. We're talking to Lars Doucet. He's co-founder of Level Up Labs, which made the successful RPG slash tower defense hybrid Defenders Quest. Um, he also did some work with Valve on its Steam Labs experiments. Um, in this episode, we talk less about game development and design here um, and more about the, um, our experience as, as Texans amid the brutal winter storm that left people without access to heat, power, um, and in many cases, even food for days. Um, so you can feel free to skip on past this episode if that doesn't necessarily interest you. We're going to get back to the purely game development uh, related content yet this month. Uh, but you know, I encourage you to listen and stick around. Uh, we do talk a little bit about systems and, and our reliance on them. And we talk a little bit about Lars's uh, experience uh, making a, a game about uh, power grids and, and energy and and all of that stuff, which is obviously relevant. Um, so one last thing, if you'd like to help people who are continuing to need help in Texas, there are a variety of mutual aid groups to donate to, and that includes Mutual Aid Houston, Mutual Aid Austin, DFW Mutual Aid, Feed the People Dallas. Um, you can also Google Mutual Aid Texas to find more. And uh, there are people who are, uh, who are still um, going to be having issues for a while now, uh, even though we are now back to normal, uh, beautiful Texas weather. So thanks for listening. We'll be back in a sec. Okay, so we are we're here with Lars, not Ducket, but Doucet. Lars and I were uh, kind of tweeting back and forth amid everything that was going on in Texas. So the reason that I decided to have him on this this show is because I just feel like we both had a lot to say about it, and uh, I think that it's difficult to convey what. Um, happened over the past week and what is still ongoing. It's, it's yeah. difficult to convey the uh, like the severity of right. uh, of of the issue because it, it really is kind of like. And I don't blame people for not like, like just for context. We were both without power, heat, all of that for quite some time, and people <laughs> yeah. we know still to some degree aren't. Yeah, yeah, we we're gonna get into the specifics of our of our situations, uh, I, but it, it's just something that I don't I don't blame people for not totally absorbing or understanding the severity of what happened here and is happening over the past week. It's just difficult to to convey. So I thought that maybe you know using this venue. Um, to talk about some game developer related stuff, you know, with a game developer like Lars, um, but also just talk about <laughs> this happened and maybe people can gain a better understanding of, of the situation down here by listening to us rattle on about it. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Like, 
my first game dev project professionally was mm-hmm. an educational game called Super Energy Apocalypse, <laughs> in which you as um, the leaders of the post-apocalyptic Republic of New Texas mm-hmm. have to like balance your energy grid so it doesn't death spiral. And like it was like funded by an educational, um, not educational, sorry, but a nonprofit, nonpartisan like environmental research group called Houston Advanced Research Center. So like right in Houston, mm-hmm. and like um, so like I have a lot of background knowledge about natural gas and coal and wind and solar and all that. Um, and then this happens like 15 years later after I'm doing all kinds of other stuff, and it's like it's like really kind of eerie to me. Um, that's wild. I, I didn't even realize that, you know, um, from ha- having you on. I know from, you know, uh, from your from your games and uh, from working at, uh, you know, working for Valve on different Steam yeah. projects. I, I didn't know uh, about the, what, what's the name of it? It's called Super Energy Apocalypse, and most of you probably can't play it anymore because it was a Flash game. It's still up oh. on Congregate. It's free. Um, probably oh. got played more than any other game I ever made, even, like, the ones that did well on Steam. You know, which is hilarious, but it was like, yeah, like I, I went and I did all the research on different kinds of energy generation. And so like, you know, it does little things like when the wind stops blowing, the turbines turn off, you know, like nuclear produces nuclear waste. Like, you know, what is the relative cost versus the relative emissions of natural gas versus coal? Like I had to crunch all those numbers probably badly because I was like 20, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, like I, I still retain a little bit of that, but it's like so weird now also, another background fact about me is I'm Norwegian, like a passport holder. It's my first language. Um, and it's so weird being in Texas, being this damn cold. <laughs> like, I feel like I, it's kind of like a finally a chance to use my degree kind of situation. Because, <laughs> like, like, if you have Norwegian relatives, they'll just, like, make you all these sweaters and stuff. And you're like, that, that's great. I love it. It's so beautiful. You work so hard. I live in Texas. And I'm like, today the prophecy is fulfilled. <laughs> you open up the, uh, you know, the, the, the treasure chest of just uh, of sweaters that you've been saving up this whole time. Yeah. yeah, seriously. Like I have and also have like a Russian friend um, mm-hmm. like from my church. She's Russian. And um, she her son's grown up now. So she's like, here's all these ski bibs I can't use anymore. You have use for them? It's like, yeah, I might go visit my relatives in Norway one day. So. We'll put the kids in those. And it's like, we use those. We ha- I'm so glad we had this stuff. Where are you exactly in Texas? Don't need your address or, or even like, what, where are you in, in general in Texas? I'm in the Brazos Valley. I'm in central Texas, right? Okay. You know, you know so, so there's a Texas triangle between, I always embarrass myself and get one of the cities wrong, but it's like Austin, Dallas, and Houston, and San Antonio. I forget which one is the one that's supposed to be the western edge of it. I think it's either Austin or San Antonio, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know which one's... It's Austin is closer. Okay, I know geography. So we're, like, in the middle of that triangle, right? And, mm. you know, we're close to Texas A&M University, you know, and, and there's, like, a big medical hub here, and um, that's where I am. And you're in Austin, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in um, Austin suburbs. I've been down here for going on seven years, and... Uh, it it wasn't quite like my relatives are sending it from from norway are sending me sweaters but like i felt like you know i i I spent about like 33 years or something like that in um in indiana northern indiana so i felt like a total badass when i found my ice scraper <laughs> and like because i had to i had to, the roads are terrible this is like uh, like uh, of course th- there's there's zero infrastructure for 
clearing roads at all. And, and, and that's something like okay, zero, I, zero, as in right. nothing. And this is something that like I, I think we'll, we'll get into like how many heads should roll about this probably in a minute. Mm-hmm. But like I, I, just a perspective for people, and, and I say this as someone who like you you've lived in, in Indiana where it presumably gets cold, mm-hmm. and you've lived here. I, I'm a Norwegian. I'm a pathetic excuse for a Norwegian. Like I speak the language, but like I, I mostly only That's went good. there in the summer. Yeah. You know, like I've not had to endure like a black Norwegian winter where the sun does not come up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but like I have any kind of absorbed by osmosis experience at all with winter weather, and um, I, I think people like like Canadians and like people in the north are like, oh, Texas can't handle a little snow, huh? It's like. Yeah. It's like it was five degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. which is like sub freezing by a lot. In yeah. Texas, parts of Mexico were snowing. Yeah. Like, this is the equivalent of 105 degrees Fahrenheit in Oslo. Like, mm-hmm. now I think they're probably, when all is said and done and then cooler heads have prevailed and we're done dunking on each other on Twitter and actually looking at the information, we're going to find like what was the actual cause of this and probably we should have done better preparing. But it's like, this was kind of unprecedented, mm-hmm. um, but I also want to talk about the fact that like unprecedented, the part of my friends, unprecedented shit is happening all the time now. Like yeah. just before this, like I had two 500 year floods in my area, just locally, yeah. you know, Hurricane Harvey came a couple years ago and like whacked my Jeez. brother's apartment to death in Houston. And I had oh, some man. friends had to evacuate and stay locally. Like that was awful. And mm. then, you know, and, 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 like, the amount of water that was dumped on Houston was ridiculous. And then, like, um, we're in the middle of a global pandemic already, right? You yeah, know? That's, the, that's the other thing. It's a disaster within a disaster. Yeah, um, I mean, let's talk yeah. about our personal experiences here. Okay. You know, I, think, I yeah. think you've had it worse than I have. I've had power. Um, mm-hmm. like, my, like, I had three days of really bad stuff. Yeah. And what that looked like for me is probably easy mode compared to you and some other stories I've had from friends and relatives. Yeah, we well, had. Let's let's go let's go to. Um, so if, I, I want to just return to where you said like, uh, you know, people from Norway or for that matter, people from northern Indiana or like anywhere in the Midwest that gets way colder than than this. I mean, we're talking about like double digit negative oh, yeah, wind yeah. chill like, like type stuff and negative fahrenheit right yeah That's yeah, fahrenheit. yeah fahrenheit yeah yeah so That's like super cold <laughs> yeah and it it's it didn't get that cold it did get down to like five seven degrees like where where i am but it's kind of like i can you know you know like, I, I can handle that so i was i was dismissive about it on um on twitter because like i i get annoyed with because i saw at the beginning of the pandemic people hoarding stuff that uh from grocery stores for example that they don't need and i i you know my feeling is that you're leaving your neighbor in the lurch if you're taking you know more than your share um so you know like it was to me that was over like overdoing it like why are you panicking why are you panicking to that extent like it's you know it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, I have a lot to say about prepper culture because I know some preppers. But yeah, so yeah, we'll like, go into that a sec. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and like so, um, you know, like a a day later, like so, our power went out, um, like right at midnight on Sunday, and um, it stayed off for the coldest part of all of this. It was out for thirty six hours straight. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, and and we're lucky, and like, and this is one thing. What's what's cool about like Texans that I see them tweeting about this 
almost everybody is like, I had no water for this amount of time and no heat and power for this amount of time. And it's always couched in, and I'm one of the lucky ones. I always see people saying that. And that's how I feel. Like, yeah, like the fact that we were having a podcast about this and I was able to like tweet, live tweet the, the thing because I never lost cell service and I had rolling blackouts. Like I had four hours of power a day on the good days, mm. like two hours on the bad days. And they were like, eat, like it was one hour at a time spread out evenly. So it was like big dark periods. But like some of my like direct relatives, I'm talking like brothers, sisters-in-laws and stuff like that. Um, like some of them didn't get power back until like yesterday and some of them still don't have water and like mm-hmm. they went 52 72 hours without like anything it yeah. was insane yeah and like maybe some like and, and and then you just think of like all the homeless all like poor people and stuff and mm-hmm. the counties that have really like like one thing it really impressed upon me was the importance of my local utility like there's all this hoopla going on with ERCOT, which is, for those who don't know, that's like the managing entity for the whole Texas grid. But your local utility has like how how good they are at getting the down power lines. So like dealing with just infrastructure damage versus rationing, right? Mm-hmm. And then their rationing strategy too. Like they were able to, like, like it's kind of like a, a video game to like keep a grid up, right? It's like you got to keep your people you got to give them enough power to like get them through this crisis, but you also got to like manage the strain on the grid and like everyone's pissed at you because you're rationing their energy, but you have to do it right or everyone's going to get screwed. And they were able to give us a couple hours of juice a day, evenly spaced, communicate with us when it was happening through the local like news station and stuff. And everyone was like giving them all this flack because they're mad it was happening at all. But then I hear about these other stories like where you were and other places. And it's like maybe they had it harder there, but like, man they did a bang up job and maybe they had good circumstances too, but I'm so grateful for my local utility. So if yeah. anyone here listening works for BTU utilities in the Brazos Valley, I am super grateful for all of your hard work. Like, like we talk about frontline essential workers, that's them out freezing their asses off to literally keep their friends and neighbors alive. It's kind of like, Oh wow. Everything does run on, on electricity. So we have yeah. obviously like, you know, a power outage. It's like, Lights off, yeah, you lose your Wi-Fi, uh, like obviously that kind of thing. It's like, okay, I can deal with that. Um, we've got gas. Um, you know, our house is heated with gas. Well, um, our 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 furnace is activated by electricity and it runs. Oh, that's well, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so so and then, and then it's like, okay, but we'll st- we still have water. Well, the um, the water plant runs on electricity. Right. It's like now you don't have water. You don't have you know exactly. <laughs> yeah, and all this stuff just dominoes my, and. My- my thermostat is digital, right? Yeah. Which means they're telling me, like, they're doing good communication, right? They're like, guys, everyone, shut off your heat so when the power comes back on, it doesn't instantly get shut off from the instant load. And I'm like, yeah. when the when the lights go back on for my one out, like, my, my... Hello? Did it happen again? Oh, it was just my screensaver. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've got PTSD. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> awful. <laughs> Okay. I was oh, like, man. no. I was just picturing you. Oh man, we're keeping that. That's that's yeah. awful. Yeah, that, that's okay. That's that's hilarious though. That's that's the kind of humor we need to get. I'm, these I'm, I'm moving my mouse right now to make sure that you know I don't get yeah. freaked out and wake my computer back up. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so um, what was I saying? Yeah. So like, I have this digital thermometer, right? And so like, the utility is telling me it's essential that I wait 15 minutes before I turn my fir- my, my heat on when I get my rationed hour of power for, you know, the next, oh, wow. like, 10-hour block. And I can't do it because my mm-hmm. 
because the power the power <laughs> showed off while I had the heat on, and I can't change the, the thermometer setting because yeah. it's digital. I have to like run like a ninja when the light comes on to go. Okay, okay, system heat off done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez, and like that's impressive that you even got that that communication. So we were um, okay. Let's uh, we're we're, so we're, go, we're, we're going back. Yeah, it's like. Like for my household, and I've got kids, you know. Um, Me too, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so 36 hours of that, we're um, like, luckily we have um, a gas range so we can uh, boil water. I was like, the whole water thing, it started like, we got a handle on staying warm, and our, um, our, our town tweeted out, um, the amount of water is like two, two, make sure that you have two gallons of water, uh, per person for over the next 30, like for the next 36 hours, uh, yeah. And, and boil it. And it, it, I was thinking like, what? Cause at that point our, our water hadn't already gone out. It must've at that point just been draining out of the rest of our pipes, mm-hmm. but we were collecting the dripping, um, with pots and, and bowls and stuff. Right. And I was, I saw that 36 hours and I was like, what are they what are they getting at? (laughs) It's like, certainly they're just not going to turn off, you know, turn off the water because people need that to drink and live. And they did. And we like, we resorted to, um, so, so we went from level one, um, uh, water gatherer, water gatherer people who were like, okay, we, we can, um, get like these drippings in pots and pans and we can boil them. Uh, and then we can, we can use those. And then once those were done, like, uh, my wife, Anna, she became like a level 100 water farmer out back, um, collecting like, like we, we drank the, the roof water. I know that it's like last resort stuff, but like, what else are you going to do? So we're, we're drinking the, the roof water and boiling it. I'm scooping, uh, like snow. I, I took a, a five gallon paint bucket and, uh, went to the backyard and filled our, uh, our bathtub with snow so that, uh, we would have that reserved there. And, we would use that to flush toilets um, mainly, and yeah, we didn't have we didn't drink drink out of the bathtub, um, but we, we did we did drink some boiled some boiled snow and uh, and and roof water. Um, and you were filtering that too, so like you would boil it and then filter it through paper towels. You'd said yes, yeah, yeah. We had a um, a strainer, and then we would just put a couple layers of paper towel down and just run that run that baby through. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, so. I'm really, I'm really impressed that, but you know, we never lost our water. They did give us a notice that we might lose water, mm-hmm. and um, I want to make sure, not maybe not now, but like talk about the issue of like panic prepping mm-hmm. versus like making sure that you can take care of yourself so you can also take care of other people, because mm-hmm. I think that's a distinction that is is really important. Um, Go ahead and talk about, go ahead, like, give me your, give me your thoughts on that. Well, like, so an example, okay, you get a notice that you're about to lose water. What does everybody do? They go fill up their bathtub, right? You know, Mm -hmm. and then the act of everyone filling up their bathtub puts strain on the water system and causes it to crash down for everyone, right? It's, it's like everyone doing a run on the store and panic buying all the paper, the, the, the toilet paper. Like, our our water people said specifically, do not do that. Right, right, right. And so that is where, like, planning ahead matters. Cause I did fill up my bathtub because, Mm -hmm. But I did it early, 
I did it. That's the trick with all these things is you have to prepare before it's obvious there's a crisis when you might still be embarrassed for preparing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like if I go to Walmart, not not now, but if I go to Walmart like three days ago and I just buy a bunch of stuff, I'm not being a strain on anybody. If I do it right when there is like, I mean, Walmart just makes a bunch of money and then they order new stuff. Right. You know, if I do it right when there's a crisis then I'm doing like damaging hoarding because mm-hmm. other people need that stuff and I'm causing a crisis by mm-hmm. causing a run on the stores. And also like also when people do runs on stores, they buy all the wrong stuff. Like they just they just like buy all the ketchup and all kinds of weird <laughs> things, you know. They they just like they're just like you know, it's because they're they're panicking, right? And yeah. it's it's like um and so like even something like filling up your tub, you can do it the right way or the wrong way. And I'm I'm so impressed by your resourcefulness because we never lost water. You know, the prep work that we did, though, was um, try to do, I always try to do the smallest amount of prep work I can that is going to be useful no matter what. So, for instance, I have a Berkey filter. If you don't know what those are, they're like really top of the line water filter. Like Brit is like level one. This is like level 100. Mm Mm-hmm big aluminum or whatever cylinders these big filters they use them all over the world like like ngos use them throughout like every kind of devastated country with like no safe water supply right Mm -hmm. and they're just gravity fed filters no like moving parts no electrical parts no nothing you know and you just put water in the top doesn't matter how awful and brackish it is like they love to do this test with like food coloring in the top and then it like comes out all clear and um so if you just order one of those after a crisis is over and not about to start and just mm-hmm. have one in your garage, then like, like, like I wish I could have shipped you mine, you know, by jumping into my time machine and giving it to you, your life would have been a lot easier because <laughs> I certainly didn't wind up having to use it this time, but I'm glad I had it because I live next to a creek and when it's freezing cold, it's snowing. Usually we, we prepare for a drought, not like freezing to death yeah um but like i could have poured brackish water from my creek that is probably full of every kind of amoeba and drain chemical possible and had fresh water you yeah. know and um but like filling up your bathtub the minute you know your bat your water is about to go off in 10 minutes is going to cause your water to go off in two minutes yeah yeah it's all it's all the same resources that that we're pulling from and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking notes on, on the filter too. And it's funny that, you know, so like my dad was, my dad was older. Um, like he, he was born in 1930 and anybody who lived through the great depression has these, uh, different, you know, quirks like right. hoarding. <laughs> it's like keeping, yeah. keeping everything. My um, mom grew up in Norway post-war without electricity. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is like hardcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My my mom was uh, uh, born in the Philippines, and they were the the most abject poverty. So she also has these, right? You know, st- these resourceful um, like cells in her body that you know are are thinking about when right. you have nothing, and then your your brain start like even through like one week of this, you know, um, like just a week, your brain is already by the end of it is adjusting to like when you're hearing the snow melting right now and dripping away it's like um like that we're wasting like that's wasteful like we right 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 yeah yeah, we should be collecting that water like like i had filled up like i had filled up my tub you know before mm-hmm. I thought there would be a crisis, before there was any notice, you know, because it's just. A I'm not. Thing. I'm not. I'm not trying to tub shame you, by the no, way. No, no, no. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand it. But like, like, I'm afraid to drain the tub now. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, 
if I, if I if I drain it, I might need that water. I'm just like, I've got the filter, but like, I don't want to drink creek water. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's like it's like like I'm afraid now. You know? And and it was it was so funny because we had we were so blessed with the intermittent power, the ration four hours of power a day. That like when the mm-hmm. lights came on, we had like. At first, we didn't know what to do, but we got like got a little dance. I was like, "Okay, charge the phones. All right, turn off the furnace. Yeah. Okay, everybody, like, you know, it's like that the, feeling when the power comes back on. After. So like, ours was out for thirty six. It was on on for six, and then it was off for like fourteen or fifteen more hours. Right, and then it it finally came back on and and stayed. Oh, so the first time the power came back on, um, all that it was about at like four in the morning i think and uh our fire alarms all went off so yeah it was just like what the heck is going on and we couldn't get them to shut off so we like i had to get on my my ladder and then just uh like uninstall all of them because there was nothing that that we could do and i I was looking around and smelling for smoke and it's like okay this is definitely a, a false alarm and it wasn't the carbon monoxide alarm because it's a different like right. alarm. It says carbon monoxide. Oh, the carbon uh, monoxide is such a thing though. It's because you're like, mm-hmm. I should get in my car and like shut the garage door. And it's warm so up sa- it's so it's so sad because like you see people hospitalized or even die every time something like this happens because yeah. you know like some someone got carbon monoxide from poisoning from uh, charcoal like using charcoal inside. Right. And and yes, of course, like people use generators in a closed garage, and it just poisons the whole house. Um, right, and, and you can't and you can't tell that it's happening. You just get sleepy and die. You know. Yeah, I have yeah. a fireplace too, and like I I kicked myself. This is where like prepping is all about, like like, like smart prepping, not crazy prepping. It's all about like thinking mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah. Like half the things I did, like like the real resource is family and friends and communication, mm-hmm. because half the stuff I did is not because yep. I'm smart. It's because someone told me offhand Same. a couple days before this all went down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, and like, I'm kicking myself about my fireplace because I've got a fireplace and I couldn't figure out, like it took me forever to figure out that I could actually burn logs in it. And my Norwegian mom had given me a gift of these beautiful decorative birch logs. But they're like, they'll burn. And I have like 10 of them. I'm like, we could burn that wood. Yeah. I was sure this fireplace wouldn't set my attic on fire because six years ago we had someone come look at our dryer vent. And what's funny is the people who fix dryer vents are the same people who sweep chimneys. Like chimney sweeps, re-specialized and retrains in dryer vents when all the fireplace work dried up. Like they mostly do dryer vents, but they still do fireplaces. And we had them come out for a dryer vent six years ago. And it's like, oh, you've got a nice fireplace here. I'm like, yeah, it's Texas. We'll never use it. And he's (laughs) like, yeah, well, if you ever do want to use it, you should get me by to inspect it so you don't set your attic on fire based on how your insulation's done. And so, like, I'm there with my fireplace. I'm like, do I risk it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I'm like, power's rationed. We've got heat. We'll do it if we're about to die. But no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I I smoked a chicken on the coldest night. Like, oh, we good for we need, you. we needed. Uh, um, we, I don't know. We, we needed food for a couple of For, for those who don't days. know, uh, Chris Graft is an amazing barbecue grill master. He's the best, I, I, I'm told. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not he, bad. He, I'm, he's I'm, as amazing as he is modest. <laughs> Folks, it is a treat. Yeah, it's true. So I, I smoked this chicken and I He have... smokes chicken the way he smokes noobs. <laughs> I don't know about that. Lars, what are you talking about? <laughs> But it gave me, it gave me like, you know, it, it was like, it was 
at that point I, I checked and it was like 14 degrees on its way down to seven. And yeah, I, I sat, I sat out there with the chicken. I didn't want to go back in inside and outside because I'm letting like what remains of the heat. Right. And like, luckily our house, even after, um, like 36, uh, the first 36 hours, uh, uh it got down to like fifth, like 50 inside. Um, which is impressive that it was able to maintain that. That the insulation was good enough? Yeah. So, like, we, and we just dressed like, you know, at at night, we just dressed like winter. Uh, Right. They say, they say heat your body, not the room, you know? Like, I mean, I mean, I I slept in like long underwear, PJ pants, and like sweatpants, and like a shirt, an undershirt, a jacket, another jacket, and a hat. Yeah, exactly. Me too. I, I, it was like I was going out, um, you know, to the grocery store during an Indiana winter, and I just, uh, I just slept like that. Yeah, and like my mom was saying, I mean, my mom, like who grew up in Norway, where it gets this cold, and like power had not been brought to her rural village yet, so that was just yeah. how life was. She's like, wear a hat, son. You need to wear a hat because most of your energy gets away, yeah. gets lost through your head. It's like all these little like survival tips from the old country. It's so it's so true. Like, uh, yeah, I I put a hat on and like I got warm and <laughs> and I I know this stuff, but you know I only like reappreciated it when this past week happened. Like and, my life didn't depend on it until yeah, now. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, t- I I'm like telling you, hey everyone, try the hat. Try go get a hat. It really works. Yeah. So yeah, like if we're talking about. Um, like systems and and things like that you know you talked about the game that you designed uh is there um have you even had any chance to kind of think about and analyze uh what happened uh as as far as like the texas grid uh goes and anything or anything like that yeah Has, has, has your game design head kind of yeah automatically went there I've, I mean, I've, there's a there's a whole genre of games that are all about balancing power yep. grids, right? You know, and I like I, balance I, of power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, um, there was this there was this really fun like flash game, like tower defense game called the Space Game, which is all just like about building a power grid. Um, um, more recently on Steam, there's a game called um, uh, Mindustry, mm. which has okay, okay, that's just my screensaver again. Can you hear me, Chris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, How I, many I have, times is this going to happen? I think it is literally PTSD. I think I'm not abusing. The <laughs> no, term. you're. Yeah, no, <laughs> you're. Uh, that is what's happening to you. I can. I can. I'm not. You're not even on video or anything. I, it's palpable. Your yeah. your panic is palpable. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. So like, um, Mindustry. I, I haven't played Victoria, but I assume it has it. And of course, my game had it. So yeah. The thing about energy grid games is they're all about death spirals, right? Like cascading failure something goes wrong which causes something else to go wrong and then something else you weren't even paying attention to and like like and taking for granted goes wrong too and then you're just screwed Mm. so an energy apocalypse it's just like really simple one screen tower defense game where you build like a power grid right so you mine coal out of the ground and then you burn it in coal power plants and the coal power plants give you energy but they also create emissions and then the shtick of the game is that I just take all negative externalities and just arbitrarily reify them as mutant alien zombies. And the rule is they're invading Earth and they're terraforming it. And everything that is bad for us in terms of pollution is good for them. Mm. And so um, the more you pollute, the stronger the enemy gets. And um, so like you're burning all this energy and stuff and you've got lots of energy. And then your defenses are powered by your materials. 
So you have floodlights that use energy, and you have Tesla coils that use energy. You have guns that use metal that you mine out of the ground. You have flamethrowers that use oil or gas, whatever's available, right? Mm -hmm. And so as you're going through the game, you know, um, it's night. And so your solar panels stop working because it's night, Mm -hmm. you know, or the wind stops blowing and your wind turbines don't work anymore. And um, or you run out of coal and your coal fire plant, which is just like amazing for generating energy, stops working. And then um, you build a couple of units so that you can like defend yourself and you used up all your metal and your guns stop working. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have these like cascading failure on cascading failure. And so typically, like, you're doing pretty good until you stop paying attention to something. It goes down. And then, like, you can't get back up. And, like, the challenge is, like, not falling so far down the slope. Yeah. And there's also this inherent trade-off between efficiency and redundancy, right? Like, um, an efficient system is one that has no waste. And usually super efficient systems, like, run to the wire. Like, to use a metaphor, like... um, uh, uh, just like an Olympic athlete, right, has like 0% body fat, you know, they're just made completely for running, say, right? It's super efficient, you know, because that's what it takes to get that extra bit of performance. Um, but if they get the flu, they're going to just like die because they have no body fat, they have no reserves, right? Mm-hmm. And um, then there's also just mismanagement, which is neither efficient yeah. nor redundant. It's just bad, you know? Yeah. It's it's interesting, like, you know, when you're talking about cascading failures and, and mismanagement, it's interesting emerging from the past few days uh, when, you know, you're conserving your cell phone uh, power. You're, um, you don't have any access to, like, TV or, you know, your laptop. So you're basically kind of in the dark about a lot of things. And emerging from it and then seeing the way that, you know, uh, per, you know, People, like politicians, for example, uh, the, the things that they're talking about, like uh, whereas there's now this, you know, the people are like our governor is using this as an energy, right. re- like pitting fossil fuels against uh, against renewable energy, like windmills. And like there, there was at one point um, at the beginning of it, like somebody mentioned to me about uh, mentioned windmills and then this was this was like on monday it's like well it's because of the windmills like and it's like what like i didn't know what they were talking about and you emerge from this and it's like you know people are using this as a a debate point um about like different kinds of energy it's like this is this is what you all were talking about like when we're trying to figure out the the you know roof water situation and like those things need to be talked about and they need to be considered within like the overall power grid and and tech and stuff but um to see the discourse around that you know that that, that's happening where people in tech while people in texas are are suffering is it it grosses me out yeah it it did me too you know and it's like it it, it's a little weird for me because Mm -hmm. like on the one hand like a lot of my family is really conservative right and the other hand i'm also norwegian and Mm -hmm. the norwegian side is like a little more liberal but like not in the way americans expect at all Mm -hmm. like norwegians can be pretty provincial and 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 not part of like america's idea of what liberal means um but then also like my entire game dev like twitter feed and friends are all like really far left Mm -hmm. right and so like i I feel like conflicted because like i i log on you know just check in what's going on and like everyone's having this like big like it seems the impression i get which is probably false 
is that everyone has these strong opinions. And, and of course, like, yeah, Abbott and Cruz going to freaking Cancun and all that nonsense. Like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of our state leadership by any means. But, like, I, I feel like everyone's, like, really busy making sure they score enough political points while, like, we're fucking freezing and so are all our friends and family. And, like, and I see... And the really thing that, like, saddens me is when people who should know better are, like really like happy about it like that makes me that that was weird because i saw that also um and the only reason like the terrible stuff that people are saying about like you know uh basically what we're talking about is you know texas is uh and has been a red state there's republican leadership and there are some people that are just like well that's that's what you get and it's kind of like oh okay we got this back in Hurricane uh, Harvey as well. Was it's like, well, you believe in climate change now? And it's like, thanks, my brother might be drowning, but good for you for being correct on the internet. Yeah, and then, um, like, it, it's weird for me, too, because, like I said, like, growing up in Indiana, no one talks about Indiana. No one talks about Indiana. And then, like, when I come to Texas, like, Texas is the central point for, like, politics and climate and and you know this being it's just weird to log on and like see you know people that you know aren't having the experience that we're all having have such strong opinions about it um (laughs) so it's it's a new thing to me (laughs) you you want to know something hilarious in norway we literally have a catchphrase that's like decades old called that thing is totally texas or in Norwegian, it goes, the dad is shigli Texas, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it means about what we expect. It's like, it's like totally crazy, guns blazing, insane, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I mean, Texas looms larger than life because it is like, if Texas was a person, which it's not, and it's important to establish that, <laughs> it would be this very like self-assured kind of braggy person. I mean, Texas has mm-hmm. great PR in terms of getting lots of it, whether all of it is positive or not, right? <laughs> But I, th- I think what people are reacting to on the internet is this, you know, very braggadocious, like, larger-than-life Texas yeah. attitude. I mean, I know people who have said things like, let the Yankees freeze in the dark whenever, you know, someone's like, well, if you want green energy, then, you know, coal and natural gas is what keeps you warm at night. You know, it's so weird. One thing that does bug me about Abbott talking about, like, windmills and stuff, one thing I think a lot of people are surprised to know is that Texas in many ways like is this world that contains multitudes and contradictions mm-hmm. like it is oil and gas capital of the United States and the world but um you might also wonder like uh Lars is a Norwegian in Texas that's kind of weird um mm-hmm. it's not super weird like this isn't the reason I'm here you know it's just because my mom married my dad but there's a lot of Norwegians in Texas actually they're all in Houston mm-hmm. because Norway is also oil and gas producer of the world and, like Texas, a leader in green energy, which is so weird. No one thinks of Texas as a leader in green energy. But, like, if you look at charts of wind and solar and and nuclear, it's like we're really, really up there. And that's why I feel kind of, like, angry about people. I, I I do feel resentful, like, the whole, like, ragging on windmills because everything went down. Everything went down. And... I do want to underscore this point, and this point is really important. I really wish, in the wake of any crisis, everyone would just shut up for 72 hours and not have an opi- not, not proclaim themselves an expert on whatever domain just happened, and just, like, look for some evidence. Like, I am all in favor of heads rolling. Like, yes, let mm-hmm. the heads roll. But the problem is that a stopped clock, 
i.e. read, you know, idiot politician, can be right two times a day, just like mm-hmm. a stop clock. And when we just, like, go off and, like, instantly it's like, oh, I know what the reason is. It's the thing that I'm all, it's it's my dead horse that I'm beating is the reason. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're going to be wrong sometimes. And when you're wrong, that politician is going to love it. And he's never going to shut up about it for six months. And the only thing that matters, which is making sure that we take care of human beings and that this crisis doesn't happen again, is going to get lost in all that, you know? Yeah. There was one take I've read in the last 72 hours from someone who actually provided a bunch of evidence for what went wrong, and he might be wrong. I don't know um, if his account is going to check out, but he said, here's the data I have. I've tried to be fair about this, and my conclusion is that there was a problem in Texas, but we might have this problem nationwide. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Texas has an isolated grid, and this is something a lot of people are dogging on, oh, those Texans hate that federal regulation, yeah. and federal regulation would have saved them. Maybe, maybe. Like, that could, I'm 100% willing to believe that. But another thing that's equally possible is that the grid being isolated kept Oklahoma and Louisiana and neighboring states from going down too. Right. Yeah, I, had, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. For, for like listeners that haven't picked up on this yet, like the power grid from Texas, it is, it's, it's its own. It's isolated from, from everything else and nearby states that have got, that had just as bad um, icing and, and things like that ended up faring so much better than, than we did. Right. And so the conclusion is, okay, like you look at a map, Texas is like as black and dark as North Korea is on a nighttime map, right? Mm-hmm. And so everyone's like, okay, well, Texas screwed the pooch. It's all their fault. Their infrastructure sucks. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe it is, you know, but like I'm not an expert in, you know, power grid engineering, despite the fact that I made a Flash game 12 years ago, <laughs> you know. Um, so like I, I really wish just you can wait 72 hours. Like the, the truth can wait that long. And then we'll figure out who's really to blame it. And then, and then, you know, and, and, and then we can have all the righteous fury we want. Because then we'll actually be directed in a positive, useful direction to actually solve a problem rather than just score a bunch of little red hearts on Twitter. Yeah. Right? I like that, the little red hearts. They're so addictive. I love them, and they and they and they just erode my soul. So like, so there's there's a, a couple other things I want to talk about. So um, again, with the cascading like. Uh, you know, failure. Uh, apparently, like I was reading a really good article today on Texas Monthly about um, about what has happened, and it's a really good, clear, um, like telling of what happened. And it's kind of what you're talking about. It's a step back, looking at things um, in very near hindsight. Um, and it's called like the title of it is the the Texas blackout is the story of a disaster foretold. So. It, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, it, it talks about why this happened, why the systems failed, and how close we actually were to going total blackout. So, right. like, we were able to maintain, um, you know, some levels of energy at different places in the state, but apparently something happens, like, where everything is gone. And once everything is gone, there is a really complicated way that they have to use like diesel uh, generators to start different um, plants across the state. And it sounds like you're hand cranking like an old timey car, um, (laughs) except multiplied by like a trillion. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's, um, I've been kind of a sort of like keeping at uh, an arm's length from, but morbidly interested in what's called collapse porn, 
you know, which is just like post-apocalyptic literature, right? And fiction uh-huh. and yeah. non-fiction accounts of like what happened in Argentina and Venezuela, like, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and, and prepper culture who have these doomsday obsessions. And like, here's kind of where I'm at. Like when I tell people I do some light prepping, like you, you get that pushback. It's like, oh, you're one of those people who hoards the toilet paper. And I'm like, like, there's this kind of um, person who's never been through a crisis before who, who doesn't really get it and they think that it's, it's about selfishness and it can be because there's certainly people who like yeah. f you got mine gonna get my bunker gonna shoot anyone who knocks <laughs> on the door right those people certainly exist and they have weird fantasy books that i've read that are disturbing um but um there's another school of thought that's like do you have a fire extinguisher in your house mm-hmm. that's the most likely crisis that's going to happen to you and do you know where it is do you have a drill to go get it? If I say fire right now, will you know? You know? Mm-hmm. And like when I said that in, in some chat room or someone, like someone immediately pointed, it's like, that happened to me. There was a fire. I didn't know where the fire extinguisher was. I almost died. And you build general survival skills. Like you don't have to plan for the zombie apocalypse. Like I have a Berkey mm-hmm. filter. I built that in case the water was shut off. I never anticipated a blizzard yeah. in Texas, but now I can filter water if I have to. Yeah. For the cost of a hundred bucks. I like I, and this is this is obvious, but like it it this past week really drove the point home like how reliant we are on systems and how they're is like a single node of failure that shuts everything down. And then you get the, you know, the cascading failure that, right. that you were talking about. Yeah, and some people say like if if you get too much into the, if you drink too much of the prepper Kool Aid, um, the problem is like you start preparing for the complete breakdown of society, and it takes on this very like anarchist kind mm-hmm. of everyone out for themselves mentality, where it's like raiders are gonna come and like eat your flesh and stuff, and mm-hmm. and like people are gonna shoot you, and so you gotta shoot first, you know. But the other perspective is it's like like society doesn't have to be this fragile like we can build a better society yeah. that 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 is a little better and then at the same time we can stop waiting for i really hate this one attitude i have i, I see a lot among otherwise enlightened liberals that i look up to is when they're like it's not worth taking any personal measures we just have to like take over the government and make a perfect society and it's mm-hmm. like i'm not going to feel bad that i'm not going to wait for a perfect society to emerge I don't think it's selfish to take care of my family so that I am not a burden on everyone else so that I can have some overflow to help my neighbor, right? Yes. So like if my neighbor is freezing and I'm not in the middle of dying, I have a warm house she can stay in, right? Mm-hmm. You know? And I I think if we focus a little more on the local aspect of government and just society and just helping each other out, I mean I think that the term of art is mutual aid, then um, we can build a more robust to use the Silicon Valley fancy pants term, anti-fragile society. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it's funny because that's the last point that I wanted to talk about, about how kind people in my experience during this have been. Like, I like we have local restaurants that are already completely, you know, um, hammered by the pandemic and not being able to, you know, uh, you know, run business as, as usual, they're giving away food. Like, yeah, it, like in one of the, so we have down here, we have P Terry's, which is like a fast food place. And there's one that is pretty close to us and they're, they got a shipment of food, like, and 
there was just like, and, and this this was sad. Like there was like a line of cars, um, just like like a like a couple miles long or, or whatever. There were a lot of cars going through this fast food uh, fast food drive through, and all of those represent. I'm just like these aren't people. They're, you're not going to wait like you know hours in line because you just want you know a taco. Like these people must not have food. Like. They're they're, yeah. they're people who are are desperate to get to get food, and one of the things that I read is that, um, uh, or actually like uh, that Anna told me, my wife uh, said that she she saw that people were paying for the people behind them, like mm. and, and just like going down the line like that. There, there's that kind of thing we have like people who are um, offering up like you know somebody's out of medicine for their kids you know and they're sick and you know you can't go to the pharmacy but they need it uh post that on the facebook group and is like where are you i'm bringing it there do you need anything else that type of thing um and nobody is asking if you voted for ted cruz or not before mm -hmm. they extend some help mm -hmm. we'll we'll do with that afterwards for now yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll get you we'll get you fed <laughs> You know, I'm I'm thankful that, you know, you and your family and, and sounds like your community are on the other side of this. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, uh, hope, hopefully we all uh, learn something from this. Just I think we should just close with the fact that this isn't over. A lot of people that you're not hearing from have it much worse because yes. of survivorship bias because yep. they can't tell you how bad it is. Um, the damage, even once the temperatures are back up and the power is back on and the water is back on for everyone. The lingering damage is gonna last. Yeah, I I agree with that. And um, everyone out there, take care. We'll go back to our regularly scheduled 100% um, game developer centric conversations next time. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Take care. Definitely gonna play Frostpunk now. Oh yeah.